If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, Darren, have you been watching us on uh, the Electric Now app? I have. I haven't recently because I, I, I watch you pretty much every week when we're doing these things. But Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know what I love about it's, the Electric Now app? It's better it's on so video. It's so easy to use. It's, it's, it's better really on video. Easy. Download the it. app and you watch us. That's all there is to it. It's so and, simple. And a lot of other cool stuff, too. You go to the app store. It says Electric Now. You download it. And then... You in press, the United States, press the button, and there it is. There it is, and you can choose. You can bookmark it. There's plenty of other movies and TV show to enjoy, and episodes of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts. So why wait? Download the Electric Now app and start enjoying us anytime. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're gonna love Trexperts Briefing Room, a Trexperts new series. Briefing Room. What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted oh, me. I it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you <laughs> can find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts briefing podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see. What's out there? If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Ta-da! Nice place you have here, Mr. Pike. Like secret dreams aboard ship captain might have. Funny how they are on this planet. Actually like being taken advantage of. 
space to choose from. And this was only one small sample. Wouldn't you say it was worth a man's soul? <laughs> and today's episode, I haven't come up with a title yet. <laughs> so I, I don't know what how about, it's about. How about Pike at his peak? Pike's peak. How about Pike's peak? Well, because no. I think you used that before. Oh, I think you're right. <laughs> I think we used the golden pike. Right. I think we used uh, what? What does he says in the cage? What does he say? Isn't it worth a man's soul? Wouldn't that be worth a man's soul? Nice. Yeah. Oh, how about nice show you have here, Mister Pike? Not, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is the Glorious Experts. This week, what would what do we call it? <laughs> nice, nice show you have here, Mr. Oh, Pike. Hi, this is Mark <laughs> and welcome to a glorious transference. And this is nice show you got here, Mr. Pike. Well, there goes there the first go. 10 minutes of the show. Okay, so <laughs> before we tell you what that's all about, I want to introduce uh, our special guest. Uh, he's an honorary and glorious transpert. He is the showrunner of Netflix hit show Dota Dragon's Blood. He is also the writer of Thor and X-Men First Class. You know him from such shows as Fringe and Black Sails. And I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot from him in the future, this young, young whippersnapper. Of course, I'm talking about Ashley Edward Miller. Welcome back, Ash. Hey, thanks, guys, for, for having me. As you know, um, I am uh, an expert on having opinions. And um, <laughs> I couldn't be more excited. Well, you know, it's funny you say them. that. Really? It's funny <laughs> because before we get to that, so I was I was reading the Twitter the other day, the Twitter, the Twitter. to see reading to the see Twitter, what, see what people thought about our episode on uh, the notes from Star Trek three. Right. And our got double some episode. wonderful, wonderful feedback. I was curious to see if people thought too much of a good thing, even you know, love too much <laughs> of a good thing. So um, but apparently it wasn't the love that they were upset about. A couple of people, they said. We're not interested in listening to you talk about Star Trek three. I guess apparently the implication being that they seem to think we're too negative about Star Trek three. And I find that for lack of a better word, fascinating because I'm always interested in people who are well-educated, who have contradictory opinions and, he, you know, that are, that are, what are you are, doing are, on Twitter with that kind of attitude? <laughs> people that are, you know, I, I want to hear if, if people who are interested in something the, you know, the opposite of what I believe, if they can talk about an interesting, compelling way. And, and I just I'm amazed that people would be so close minded because this wasn't even us holding quarterback. This wasn't even us talking about Star Trek. It was Gene Roddenberry right. and the studio talking about Star Trek three. So I, I just, you know, look, obviously, and this was the minority opinion. Uh, most people were really excited about it, want us to do more of the movies. Um uh, but so I you're just saying so that struck. we should concentrate on the movies? I I, I, <laughs> I I just was so struck. I just thought it was such a narrow minded conceit. You know, I love the show and I'll be back when you're done. You know, the implication being bagging on Star Trek three. So um, I, I, I just don't go to podcasts to hear people uh, give reaffirmations of things that I like. I, I just I think that's the difference. Yeah, because a lot of people do. A lot of people like to be reassured of their own feelings on things. And I guess that's fine. That's not that's not my that's not my like any either. It's it, I enjoy going in depth about stuff that I am interested in. And I like discovering things, you know, good and bad about them. So well, it's it's interesting. 
to me, like here's the, the, maybe this is just splitting hairs, but I don't think so. Um, there is a difference between um, spending a, a couple of hours, truly, uh, talking about a, a movie that I think at its core, um, we basically, it, it, at its worst, we respect the intentions of it mm-hmm. um, and that there are things we like about it and things that we have affection for, um, but also talking very honestly about our overall feelings about it versus spending those hours just talking about something we hate and how much we hate it. That's not what happened in those two hours at all. Um, I, n- not even a little bit. And I, and I don't think that there's, to me, like as a, as a listener and as a participant, I don't think there's ever been an episode of this show that, you know, at the bottom has not been about how much everybody involved loves Star Trek. It just means that we don't love every piece of it as much as every other piece of it. But it's and not it's a funny. Quite- Go ahead. I was just say people, you know, say, you know, I, 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 when we receive criticism, I tend to dwell on it. It's not because in any way it upsets me. And I can assure you of that it's more right. that I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the notion that someone would be so put off by someone with a contradictory opinion that they would, you know, a, a show that by all accounts, they lo- listen to weekly and love, but then one specific thing and, they have no interest in, in hearing what we have to say. I, I just find that, um, you know, I just find that so weird. I think there's a there's kind of a difference in um, in certain aspects of fandom, because I don't I don't think you could say that we are necessarily fans of just the fantasy part of Star Trek. You know, we're, we're not fans of the stories and the characters as if we're one of the characters. Right. That's, or as that's Ashley not calls our it- fandom test pattern Trekkies where we'll accept Mm. everything equally as worthy. We are fans of the show and the production more than anything. Mm. And so I think from that attitude, um, you know, this kind of dissection is, uh, is normal for us, but it would be against the grain for those who are more fans of the fantastical elements of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Look, I think that's, 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 that's really valid. And again, I don't want to make too much of it, but, it's just it, I always find these 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 things fascinating, you know, even when we talked about the whole politics thing where people are like, oh, I love the show, but I don't like you talking about politics. So I'm not going to listen. It's like I, I just uh, whatever, it, it, you know, it's just it's very interesting to me. So, um, uh, you, know, but, you know, again, particularly because it wasn't one of the episodes where we're just bullshitting like today. We're going to talk about why we think Star Trek three is a little goofy. Right. It was actually I was talking about. Gene Roddenberry saying yeah. why Star Trek three was a little goofy. I mean, I, I thought that was I mean, the impetus for that episode was, yes, me seeing all this positivity around, you know, unearned positivity around Star Trek three, feeling like, oh, maybe it's time for us to do our episode on Star Trek three and, and sort of have a bring balance to the force. Release um, the bird. But can um, I just say that that we learned from these these Twitter responses also that we just we can't win, right? Right. Because either it's, hey, you're beating up on, on Star Trek three, or, you know, if I, if I defend the honor of, uh, of Arv Bennett against, uh, against Gene's notes, it's, well, now you're just bashing Gene. It's like, right. wait, yeah. what? Yeah, the, it's like, well, that was funny one. too, <laughs> because you had half the people say, thank God for Ashley, you know, who was, who was basically uh, uh, coming against Gene and, and defending the movie. And the other half saying, 
oh man, I can't believe Ashley was so narrow minded. <laughs> not to Ashley. realize, you know. And it was so, it was so funny. And I, I do want to say this. I just want to say this because we're going to get a lot of texts or or um, uh, Twitter uh, t- tweets um, after this episode. Here saying, guys, I-, I hope you're not taking it too personal because I love the show and keep doing it. like. Don't worry, yes. we're, we're we're not we're not taking it personal. Like we're, you don't need to reassure us. Yeah, yeah. This is not. There's we have no ego to bruise. Let me tell you. So, <laughs> but Ashley, uh, I'm honestly I'm surprised that you you know that the no win scenario is a situation every commander may face. Is yeah. it not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, you know I've laughed at death. I've dropped my drawers. Dropped my drawers. Shouted nanny boo boo at death. But uh, <laughs> I've never I've never faced death. Yeah, so anyway, no, not, not like really. Just, so we, we thought it would be fun. We thought it might be fun um, to to do an episode. It's something we've alluded to in the past. What would Star Trek have been like if uh, Jeffrey Hunter had stayed with the show? If Jeffrey P- Hunter had continued to play Captain Pike throughout, let's say, its three-year run, right. uh, and, 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 and they hadn't cast Shatner, whether For the People had been renewed and he right. continued to do that hit show, uh, uh, or if you know, uh, Jeffrey Hunter's wife had not talked him out of doing the show and saying, Jeff, you're a movie star. You were in a John Ford movie. What are you doing? Right. This, this, this stupid zap guns and people with ears. You were um, Jesus Christ for crying out loud. Exactly. You were Je- Jesus Christ. That, you were Jesus Christ. That was the greatest story ever told. <laughs> not right. Star Trek. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, you know, it, 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 we want to just, we want to sort of talk about that. Also, it, it, you know, as I mentioned, our sister podcast, Fort Day Movie, uh, Darren and I both finished reading this week um, the novelization of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which if you yeah. haven't read it, is a terrific book because it's not a straight up novelization in the sense that it's just a dictation on what appears on the screen. Right. It goes into a lot more depth of the character's motivations. Because I don't and, think they mentioned uh, Robert Butler in the movie. No, no, that's exactly why I'm reading it. And I'm thinking, we gotta, we gotta talk. I don't know how we're going to fit this on the podcast, but we got to talk about this. Because Robert Butler, the director of The Cage, is mentioned glowingly in what what Jim Stacy says is his favorite director. Because um, basically, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, is is talking about his favorite director uh, to work with. Uh, He had a couple of favorite, favorite directors. And they're all trading like directors that they love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jim Stacy, the star of Lancer, right. is talking about how much he loves Bob Butler. Right. Who um, who we all love Bob Butler. And in fact, is going to be a guest on the uh, on the podcast uh, in the coming weeks. Here's the look of another winner this fall on CBS. Lancer, exciting new adventure drama filmed against breathtaking outdoor locales in the American West. Lancer brings you thrilling action and spectacle. Stirring conflict and drama in the saga of a cattle empire and the men who fought for it. The story of a family name that became a legend. Oh, Mr. Lancer? That's me, yeah. You're Johnny. That's right. Then you're Scott Lancer. No, ma'am. He's no Lancer. My mother only had one kid, and that was me. Likewise. Oh, well, we didn't expect you both at the same time, but but actually, you're right. It's Mr. Lancer that had two. Two what? Wives. And sons. You two. Spoiler. Like, um, 
Spoiler alert. Yeah. Like we, we can't do episodes like this every week. Um, so I just, um, it, it, it felt like it was worth, because again, it's set in the year of 1968, which is actually the height of, it's probably the greatest year for Star Trek ever produced. It's, 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 it's the pinnacle of Star Trek. Um, and so it's interesting. And while there never is really strictly any kind of crossover between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and uh, uh, Star Trek, there are a couple of um, synchronicities because, for instance, Lancer, which is the show that Rick Dalton is guest starring on the pilot, was actually created by Sam Peoples, the writer of um, Where No Man Where Has no Gone Man has Before gone. and also the author of several awful uh, versions of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Gone. Um, and... Um, and and that's really you know to me was was very interesting. Of course, DC Fontana also wrote numerous episodes of Lancer as yeah. well. So it, it's that whole era of Star Trek, uh, you, the world that we're seeing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, um, you know, it's what it was like when they were making Star Trek. Right. You know, that's the world that uh, uh, they lived in at the time. Um, and remember, I I wouldn't say that Star Trek was at its peak. Because remember, right. 68 was when they were producing the third season. No, no. no. Right. Uh, I, no, because it was the end of the second season and the beginning of the third season. 68. Okay. Because, but, because fall 68 was the beginning of the third season. But spring and winter of 68 was the end of the second season. Or the middle of second season, the end of second season. Yeah. Yeah. They were, yes. they were, in, they were in reruns, but okay. No, they were in reruns during the summer. They were in reruns yeah. during the summer. So, but I'm telling you, the beginning of 68 through May of 68, there were new episodes of Star Trek, and those were great episodes. Absolutely. Because you're, you're, oh, you're talking. You're saying. Thank but, you. But in I'm production. someone does. But in production. I'm not talking about production. I'm talking about well, the episodes that we're airing. Right. right. But we are. We're talking production because also. that's what was going on when, you know, they were having this discussion in the bar. I, I'm just, yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm just saying that this was one of the great eras of Star Trek on TV. I mean, that unquestionably, Absolutely. the second Absolutely. season of TOS is probably as good as Star Trek ever got. There are a couple other seasons of Deep Space Nine, um, a couple seasons of Next Generation that come, uh, you could say, came close. Right. But, but um, Rick Dalton was never in Deep Space Nine. No. no Although. <laughs> well, it's funny, knowing what a fan Quentin was of Star Trek, I'm actually surprised there aren't more um references to star trek uh yeah. in in once upon a time because you know look uh, fans of this podcast remember that the first time i ever met quentin was when rob burnett and i were at the hawaii film festival it's like the sixth or seventh film festival we were at with free enterprise and it played there and we were in this treehouse. it was somewhat like the ewoks uh on endor <laughs> um uh at uh, in, in in oahu uh after um the premiere at the hawaii film festival and uh, who comes in to the treehouse? None other than Quentin Tarantino. And Quentin begins to quote dialogue from our movie, uh, doing his best Shatner impersonation, which does not hold a candle to Darren's Shatner impersonation. But it's like, it, we, it, it, we're sitting there and just listening. It's okay, because okay, my directing career is not very uh, close to Quentin's <laughs> yeah, either. So. Although so, your acting is way better. But it was, it was funny because for, for literally, a, you know, an hour or two, we're just li listening to Quentin tell us how much he loved Free Enterprise, which was wonderful. And, and of course, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen him uh, several times since, mostly at film festivals, 
uh, including the time I got left with the bill for the uh, Dom Perignon. But that's a whole nother story. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's a big Star Trek fan. And that's why when they announced that um, Quentin was going to do a Star Trek movie, right. you know, I was pretty excited because I, I always feel Star Trek is an advantage when it's being written and made by someone who, you know, really loves Star Trek as opposed to somebody who or has seen it or has never seen it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, it's funny when I was doing 50 year mission, Ira bear talked about the fact that he much preferred Jeffrey Hunter to shatter. Hmm. He, you know, which was it's a very, um, you don't come across that opinion very often. And yeah. he felt that, you know, to him, Jeffrey Hunter was a movie star and that he had this, you know, charisma and that it was a really fascinating character and he he, he preferred that to Shatner again a, a minority opinion but one that we kind of wanted to sort of investigate in more depth this week on the show investigate <laughs> okay so I, um, you know I would put it to you you know you know and it's that famous Scott Mance comment uh, about that we've all echoed many times that when Shatner shows up in the screen on screen in where no man has gone before in that first scene in the teaser. He is Kirk. Right. There's no question. This is a fully formed performance. It's dynamic. It's charismatic. You understood from the moment he's on screen who that character is, and you would follow him to the ends of the universe. Is that the case with Captain Pike? Enterprise log, Captain James Kirk commanding. We are leaving that vast cloud of stars and planets which we call our galaxy. Behind us, Earth, Mars, Venus, even our sun are specks of dust. The question, what is out there in the black void beyond? Until now, our mission has been that of space law regulation, contact with Earth colonies, and investigation of alien life. But now, a new task. A probe out into where no man has gone before. The impossible has happened. From directly ahead, we're picking up a recorded distress signal. The call letters of a vessel which has been missing for over two centuries. Did another Earth ship once probe out of the galaxy as we intend to do? What happened to it out there? The flip side of that is, I think, that's absolutely true with Jeff Hunter and Captain Pike as well. The problem is, it wasn't going to go anywhere. Right. He 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 was fully entrenched in the uh, in the portrayal of Captain Pike. He had it, you know, he had it down. He was he was going to be very thoughtful, uh, you know, very deeply emotional, um, but also, you know, very by the book. And uh, he, he kept uh, he kept the, the crew in line and he 
he knew what to do. He was smart and he was, uh, but he was also kind of like Hamlet, whereas he, he needed, uh, he didn't have the ability to sort of uh, sort out his problems with the other crew members. He was more sort of insular. So it was uh, a question of he had to deal with these questions himself uh, with a, a sort of more introverted kind of style. And that's what, you know, Nimoy was saying. Uh, and that's why he he played Spock more uh, energetic, more, uh, you know, he was going opposite of uh, of uh, uh, Captain Pike. Um, yeah. And, and you know, when Shatner came aboard, he couldn't he couldn't do that anymore. So he had to he had to balance the uh, the scales the other way. But well, I, certainly, I think you'll go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it's certainly I, I don't know that um, that there would have been the the need, you know, because um, because Pike is very much a stoic, right? It's, yeah. it's a very internal performance. And yeah. you know what it reminds me of? It's funny that Ira says that uh, that he likes Jeff Hunter more than he likes William Shatner, because if you think about it, right, there's a there's a lot of parallels between Pike and Cisco. Absolutely. In, in many ways. Right. And yeah. also between Jeff Hunter and Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks yeah. is a fantastic actor and he was so internal in those first two seasons that a lot of the criticism was that he was wooden, that he was stiff. He wasn't, he was just internal. And it wasn't until like he shaved his head and he grew the goatee and he just kind of let it out. Like it, that it, that he became a little more feral, a little more dangerous yeah. that the, that the general audience kind of got behind him as a captain and really saw right. what he could do. You know, I don't know that, um, that Jeff Hunter would have gone through the same thing but like the the characters as we know them the relationships the way that we know them um wouldn't have been the same I, I you know i think there are other you know very meta issues that go along with that in terms of the casting in terms of a lot of other things because it implies that the cage as the pilot would have led to the show which means a lot of other shit for star trek but i think in terms of defining that character from go yeah i think jeff hunter is great but you can't build a show on him not in the i, well, I think that's the Here's the here's the thing. You can. And it's called Gunsmoke. Right. Um, Matt Dillon, Marshall Dillon on Gunsmoke is that character as well. You know, he's very reserved. He he uh, he he's, you know, very straight ahead and very stoic. And he you know, he takes action when he has to. But he's he's sort of, uh, you know, one range. Right. But you have yeah, to surround that character with other more exactly. dynamic characters. Exactly. And, and Star Trek wasn't really built that way. I well, mean, eventually well, certainly was, not, but, uh, yeah. not in the case. Not then. Because right. you had the John, John Hoyt yeah. as, as the doctor, not particularly dynamic character. What's that? I don't say there's anything wrong with me. I understand we uh, picked up a distress signal. That's right. Unless we get anything more positive on it, it seems to me the condition of our own crew takes precedent. I'd like to log the ship's doctor's opinion, too. Oh, I concur with yours, definitely. No oh, good, I'm glad you do. Because we're going to stop first at the Vega colony and replace anybody who needs hospitalization. And also, the devil you putting in their eyes? Who wants a warm martini? What makes you think I need one? Sometimes, a man will tell his bartender things he'll 
Never tell his doctor. What's been on your mind, Chris? The fight on Rigel 7? Shouldn't it be? My own yeoman and two others dead, seven injured. Was there anything you personally could have done to prevent it? Oh, I should have smelled trouble when I saw the swords and the armor. Instead of that, I let myself get trapped in that deserted fortress and attacked by one of their warriors. Chris, you set standards for yourself no one could meet. You treat everyone on board like a human being except yourself. And well, now you're tired and you... You bet I'm tired. You bet. I'm tired of being responsible for 203 lives and... I'm tired of deciding which mission is too risky and which isn't, and who's going on the landing party and who doesn't, and who lives, and who dies. Oh, if I've had it, Phil. To the point of finally taking my advice, arrest leave. To the point of considering resigning. And do what? Well, for one thing, go home. Nice little town with 50 miles of parkland around it. Remember I told you I had two horses and we used to take some food and ride out all day? Oh, that sounds exciting. You ride out with a picnic lunch every day. I said that's one place I might go. Oh, I'd go into business on regulars or in the Orion colony. You, an Orion trader, dealing in green animal women slaves? But the point is that this isn't the only life available. It's a whole galaxy of things to choose from. Not for you. A man either lives life as it happens to him, meets it head on and licks it, or he turns his back on it and starts to wither away. Now you're beginning to talk like a doctor, bartender. You take your choice. We both get the same two kinds of customers, the living and the dying. Number one, who is really a very quiet unemotional character by design so very similar in a sense to pike you know very yeah. internal um then you have you know yeoman cult um right. we, we didn't really know much about um and and kelso who again not a really dynamic interesting character at least from what we saw in the cage so uh it's a really good point yeah you know because even in the novelization of once upon a time in hollywood which I'll point to again, they talk about gun smoke and they yeah. talk about, you know, James Arness was like a lot of these actors who after a couple of seasons basically wanted the money, but didn't want to work. It was like right. Fred McMurray and my three sons where he would right. only come in once and once a week. And what later happened with Richard Dean Anderson on Stargate, you know, mm -hmm. where he'd come in. And I think to a certain extent, Mark Harmon on now on NCS where they'll come in like once a week and they'll shoot out all their scenes and they'll like be at the beginning of the episode, the end of the episode, you know, to basically and, and get paid a ton of money to not do very much. Um, and it was that way with James Arness. So they had to write all this stuff for the guest stars and give them these really juicy roles because right. James Arness didn't want to work. Yeah, well, that, that was the structure of all those shows, you know, all the Westerns there. They had their their standard uh, cast, but they were the background to the guest stars story because all the episodes were the guest stars story. And that's kind of what happens in the cage. This is Vina's story, basically. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. she is the guest star. And so it's very much structured like all those other Westerns. And I think that's what the show was going to be become if they had moved forward. Right. Well, it's very different. Yeah. Very different format wise. even. Well, you know, it's kind of like this actress studio, 50s, 60s kind of performance where it's, it's extremely internal and um, 
emo, you know, play playing emotions and not, you know, not large in life. And I think for TV, because you're in this at that time, you know, 19 inch, inch TV was a big TV. Uh, um, you, you had a, a moat to reach the viewer. You had to come out of that screen in order to be, you know, so you see a lot of big performances. There's not a lot of subtlety in some of those performances. And, you know, uh, uh, Hunter was you know very small in his performance, right. but not only that, um, you know, it's the same problem I had with Kirk in, in, in Star Trek Beyond. He doesn't want to be in space. Now right. that's right. interesting for a character in an episode, but if this is the guy you're supposed to follow and boldly right. go where no one has gone before, it's very difficult to follow a guy. Well, I maybe I'd rather be an Orion slave trader or rather it's ride horses. It's tough to a show on him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's how we start the show with him right. basically being having this on Wii, which right. doesn't seem right. like it's going away, you know, by the end right. of the episode. It, it, you, know, it, you know, if there had been that moment, that beat where he realizes I'm the only one who can do this and sort of gets his mojo back. Right. That's one thing. But he leaves Talos four at the end, just as depressed yeah. and, and as insular and, 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 and reserved uh, yeah. and reserved as he is at the beginning of the episode. But a lot more talkative than he is in the menagerie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a lot more talkative than he is in the menagerie. I think it's interesting you, you bring up the, the sort of energy level of different actors, because at that point, uh, actors came from uh, several backgrounds. One, either they were on radio, where they had, uh, you know, a lot of experience with uh, voice acting and, uh, and uh, creating characters that way. You had stage actors who were, um, you know, much bigger because you have to be on stage to project across the hall. Uh, and then you had film actors who, uh, by definition, you have to be smaller because a 70-foot screen amplifies everything. And Jeff Hunter was a film actor. Absolutely. But Shatner was a stage actor. Right. Great point. That's a great point, Darren. Yeah. And I think and some I, of that, some of that sort of becomes a, a, a new way of what's all this about a new way, uh, a new way of, of projecting this character that is, is less, uh, is less large, like acting on stage, but it's way bigger than film acting. And that's the niche that Shatner basically made for himself. Well, it's like that clip. I don't know how many of you watched. I think one of our listeners put this up. That wonderful clip of Bill Shatner and Francis Noon uh, uh, yes. in the wonderful world of Susie Wong uh, right. from the Ed Sullivan show, where they, they performed like 10 minutes of the play, right. Broadway play that Shatner and, and, and the Alana of Do uh, Dolis were in together. And uh, the Dolmen of Elas. <laughs> the Alan of Dolas. I feel and, a coffee and, cup coming on. And and it was and it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful, wonderful segment. But yeah. you see Shatner, it, it it's Kirk. Yeah. It's big and it's and it's charismatic. And, and you can see uh, every moment on his face. And it's you know, it's wonderful. And, yeah. it, you know, and, and you're riveted, you're riveted. Yep. And that, you know, that's not a very dynamic play, mm -hmm. but his presence in it is amazing. And he's, he's magnetic, especially yeah. on TV. Yeah, no, look, un unquestionably. So the, the, the question is, you know, had NBC sort of rendered the same verdict and said, okay, the cage is too cerebral. 
um, we want a, a second pilot. And let's say that for the sake of this argument, they they greenlight the same script where no man has gone before. Mm-hmm. But it's Jeff Hunter. Yeah. In that. Wow. Is that a different episode? Very yeah, I episode. think so. I mean, where Shatner felt like a contemporary of Gary Lockwood mm-hmm. and you feel mm-hmm. the pain that he feels having to maroon him. I, you know, he's really pissed at Spock. You know yeah. how Spock can be completely unemotional about marooning him on this planet. Um, uh, I don't know if it would work with Jeffrey Hunter because no. you don't believe that Jeffrey Hunter would have that emotional investment in Gary Lockwood's character. You know, Gary or Mitchell. If you if you if you did believe that he had the investment, he would not have had the same agita at the end. Right. right? right. It's like he would have made the choice. He would have done it. And he would have sucked it up and he would have moved on. And it would have yeah. been uh, the relationship with Spock would have had to have been so much different. Right. It, it, it would have had to be one of those things where you're you're waiting for him um, to to feel some. Don't you have any goddamn feelings about that? Right. It's like <laughs> it just it would automatically force Pike into that place. Strangely enough, because that episode is structured around a friendship. Well, and it's, again, again, uh, where no man has gone before is also structured like a western completely oh and yeah you can, even you had can the absolutely breaks. absolutely you can absolutely see how this could have been a gunsmoke story you know because, if uh, yeah it, no, but, if, but if for some reason yeah well you know it, well, look, if, it, it, something else like that but it's now on blu-ray but i remember when the only way to see the original pilot was remember the museum broadcasting the paley center sure they, they had the library and I would go and watch the original version, which had that mm-hmm. extra footage of uh, Gary Lockwood slapping girls, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Patuskis in the, uh, uh, you know, and but it also had the act breaks. Yeah. Dun, you know, dun, with, dun, 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 and it would have dun, a card. Dun, dun, dun. Act, act, right. Act three. Yep. You know, act mm-hmm. four. Um, and, and it had a different narration from Captain Kirk at the beginning uh, yeah. as well, um, which isn't nearly as effective. As uh, what ultimately uh, as a captain's Black, Black. Yeah. as the Space, captain's log, the funny place. <laughs> I don't know. No, but 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 I'm but riffing. you know, um, he's you know you're right. It definitely that feels like a Sam Peoples Western mm-hmm. of the '50s or early '60s. Yeah. But by the time they recut it, um, you know, and it aired as the what second or third episode of uh, uh of the, they, of, of, they futurized it. They, they futurized it <laughs> and it doesn't feel as retro as much of yeah. a throwback to an old Western that, yeah. Yeah, with just a few cuts, few judicious cuts and the, the, the credit sequence and, and a couple other changes. Yeah. He's also the Alexander courage music is not great. And I thought his score for the cage is much better. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, I think the way that they use his music isn't great because mm. it, it is, it is very, you know, f- for lack of a better term, sort of Mickey mousing the action. It, it very much describes what's going on in, on screen and it doesn't make any other comment other than that. Whereas the cage was a little more subtle, but they, I'm telling you, they were going full on Western on this one mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to sell the studio. Well, that's why they give the, the studio big laser gun. Absolutely. They give them the big phaser, which is like the Absolutely. total, you know, like the rifle it's called yeah. a phaser rifle because it's yeah. like giving him the rifle, like in a Western, but you know, even though, uh, um, Jeffrey Hunter has that great fight scene in the cage uh, on Rigel. Right. I'm not sure I can see him doing all the somersaults that Shatner does with such verve and zest. And then, right. you know, the scene in the grave at the end 
Um, I don't see Jeff Hunter like for him, it would more, be more like the tortured, like I have to do this. Whereas, you know, with Kirk, you know, he's throwing himself into this completely. Right. And, and, and he's doing all the, um, uh, you know, he the gym, the gymnastics and, and, and I mean, yeah, some of that's a stunt double, but he's selling yeah. it. You know, honestly, I think that, I think that uh, Jeff Hunter would have, would have done it. I think he, I think he could have done it. Um, I don't know. When I see the searchers, you know, I, I guess because I think like John Wayne is the action, the man of action there. Like, right. and you know, it was 10 years earlier, but Jeffrey Hunter was kind of like the spoiled little, a little guy. sedate. And he never... Evening, Uncle Ethan. Welcome home, sir. Martin. Martin Pauly. I'm sorry for being late, Aunt Martha. Well, I could mistake you for a half-breed. Not quite. I'm eighth Cherokee. The rest is Welsh and English. At least that's what they tell me. Grown some. It was Ethan found you, squalling under a sage clump after your folks had been massacred. It just happened to be me. No need to make more of it. Yeah, and he never really gets to do any kind of great action. It's like John right. Wayne had to really bail him out, you but know, time and time again. That he that he couldn't have done it um, in Where No Man Has Gone Before. I actually think yeah. it, it, he would have done it, but I think it just would have been very different. I think it would have played very intense. Um, I, I think it would have felt um, it, more tortured. It would have, yes, more tortured. Uh, and I think that it, it all, again, it's like, wow, what an interesting exercise to, to think about him in that episode in particular, because one of the qualities that I associate with, with Shatner as Kirk is yes, obviously he can be incredibly intense and, and scary and, you know, it, it's and tortured even, but he also has joy, right? right? There's a, there's a joy in that performance. There's an impishness at times yeah. when he's yeah. teasing Spock, mm-hmm. right? It's Absolutely. Like, and there's none of that in general, none of that, which Hunter. is, which is fine. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's just but it's a different character. It's a different character. It would have a different feel. Yeah. Such a great point because you're absolutely right. Because again, you don't have the McCoy relationship. You don't even have the John Hoyt relationship because now you have Paul Fix, who's even more of a dud than John Hoyt as the, as, mm-hmm. as so, so who is, Pike's relationship with it ain't going to be Gary Lockwood. I just don't see the connection there. Um, you know, because there's a James Dean quality to Hunter, you know, whereas right. like Shatter was more like Burt Lancaster or something. And um, and then you, you, you're in a situation where so who is his connection with? It's with Spock, but that legendary like duopoly, you know, the Kirk Spock relationship, I don't think it could exist in the same way between um, Spock. And, and, and Hunter, because, yeah, no, I, th- I think found a way to bring McCoy. And I think the McCoy relationship, as important as it is with Kirk, I think it would have been even more important. I, uh, I agree. Pike. But yeah. I, I think that if you bring in Jeff Hunter, Spock is an inherently different character. Mm-hmm. And bigger. he has to be. He has to be. He's bigger. Mm-hmm. He's more he's more strangely alien, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he he I, I think he. I think he becomes more questioning of human nature than 
even with uh, uh, his relationship with Kirk. Well, remember the original conception of Spock was going to be this red tailed devil with a you know plate in his in his stomach that you that he ate through. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's almost like Holmes and Yo Yo, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, obviously you brought that out. That's amazing. It's oh, so great. All the intellectual that, the puppets of the Federation. That was that was yo-yo. <laughs> Suck. Yeah, it's so great that they moved away from that. And a lot of that was because Leonard got the chance to play with the character because of all the air that Shatner was taken out of the room, you know, that it forced Leonard into a corner. Yeah. And Hunter didn't do that. No one puts Leonard in a corner. I knew that was coming. And 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 Leonard's performance, I think, would have stayed much bigger. Yeah. Um, and, and it would have been a lot less interesting as he is in the cage. The women. <laughs> well, it, that's the thing. I think that the that the concept of the Vulcans uh would have had to be completely different. And uh, you know, perhaps they have logic, but remember, number one filled that role. She was that's the right. she was the uh you know, more like a computer than a, uh, a human being, uh, whether whether or not she was actually a human or not, I, I don't think is ever uh, ca- canonically determined. But uh, I think Jeff the- Hunter or not, she probably would not have been back. Right. No, because the network didn't want Gene Roddenberry's girlfriend yeah. on the show. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably would have been another character or it still would. So have is been- that what you're saying, Darren, that Gene, without Gene her would have found a way. Life Gene finds, finds a, way. a way. Gene would have like- found a way. <laughs> Like life, it's yeah. Like, um, but you know, also that was sort of the, tra- the the trade off to keep Spock. Um, right. You know, it was like we'll get rid of uh, we'll get rid of uh, number one to keep Spock. So you know, in another world where he keeps Jeff Hunter, does he get rid of Spock and keep number one? I don't know. That's the that's the question, and I think that that really begs the question: as would it have been a successful show? I don't think so. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you can keep doing the 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 cowboy stories every week on Star Trek and yeah. still and still, you know, you're going to lose your cowboy audience, first of all, because of the surroundings. And you're not going to attract the science fiction people because it's it's more of a sort of a heavy handed storytelling. Well, I think you could have you would have still had the same fundamental stories, but I think the attitude would have been very different. I think what we would have gotten um, is something that I think some fans think they want from Star Trek, which is this kind of very sterile um, and, uh, and and not... Military. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? That it's just like that, that they... I think they would have been fine with that part, but the problem is that people like us, right? Like I'm trying to imagine myself as a kid responding to Jeffrey Hunter in the same way that I responded to William Shatner. You know, it's like, do I need to be that guy? Right. It's like, right. I can, I can appreciate Chef Hunter now, but I don't know that general audiences would have gone like, yeah, like that's the guy that they would have put that sort of investment Let's play this out. Corp might maneuver. Right. Can you, mm-hmm. do you buy Hunter pulling that bluff? I don't think I do. I don't see him lying. I don't, I don't think him having, I, it's the impishness that Darren oh, yeah. talks that's about. That's true. Um, and then, you know, his whole relationship with Bailey, you know, right. uh, where he and his tolerance of his deficiencies and his youth that Shatner right. finds charming and almost as a mentor at the same time that he's, uh, 
you know, criticizing. Although, I think I think that attitude, um, uh, you know, Hunter could have pulled off because I think yeah. that I think that when Hunter is interacting with the regular crew, I, I think he does have a little bit of uh, camaraderie. You know, it, we we get to see so little of that in That's the cage right. that it doesn't really get a chance to develop at all. Um, and but I, I think that you know he knows his he knows his crew. He 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 deals with them one on one when they're you know finding things out. Um, and it's it's a little bit sterile in the cage. But I think that you know if you if you write those supporting characters better, then you get a better reaction from the from the maybe. Captain. But I kind of see him like Timothy Dalton, like in the Living Daylights. You know when he goes Bond, James Bond, rather than you know, all the other actors who, who like, you know, do the whole Bond, James Bond, you know, where they have fun well, with it, you know, and Hunter, like, I don't, I think it's the same thing, like the way he relates to Yeoman Cult and I, there's no flirtiness, there's no kind of- It's not uh, like Kirk with Rand, for sure. On right. the other hand, though, I mean, yes, I mean, there's, there are definitely, you know, episodes where there are things Kirk does that it's difficult to imagine Pike doing them. On the other hand, though, I think of something like Balance of Terror, and it would have been a slightly different episode, but I think Balance of Terror with Pike could have been amazing. And it look, yeah. and, uh, you, you guys know that's one of my favorite episodes of all time. And I think like the, the Pike version well, of that could have been cool. He's kind of like Captain Bart Mancuso in Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, he's he's Scott Glenn. He's Scott yeah. Glenn, and mm-hmm. and he's you know he's quiet, he's reserved, but he has a good rapport with his crew, and he's smart, and he knows what to do, but. He doesn't show any any uh, emotion. He doesn't he doesn't show any uh, any uh, idea of being you know shaken up at all. All back full. Can't say again. I said all back full. Back full, aye, sir. It's back full. Captain, we're cavitating. He can hear us. Come on, I. All stop. Stop, I. All right, Ryan, we just unzipped our fly. Mr. Thompson, open the outer doors, firing point procedures. Now, if that bastard so much as twitches, I'm going to blow him right to Mars. You know, he's no, a, but I think you still would have cool, gotten that cool scene customer. in his quarters. Right? I think you still would have gotten that scene with McCoy. I just think it would have been different. I think it would have yeah. been anger as opposed to a little bit the yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. But, you yeah. know, the reason I think Jeff Hunter would work in Balance of Terror is because that's an episode where, you know, Shatner is not having fun, right. you know, mm-hmm. after the whip from the way wedding on, he is very like militaristic yeah. and, and, and focused. And um, he's a, serious. he's a war, he's a wartime consulier. He's a wartime consulier. Exactly. And so that would lean into um, Hunter's strengths. That's why, yeah. I, you know, this is the first episode where I could really see Jeff Hunter pulling off balance of terror. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even shutting down uh, Mr. Styles. You know, on mm-hmm. the bridge, uh, there's no room for bigotry on the bridge. You know, yep. leave it in your quarters. Um, I can see Hunter pulling that off. Yep. Um, yep. Whereas, you know, in something like Taste of Armageddon, right? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, ca- I just can't imagine. You know, um, I, again, that's an episode that uh, you know lives and dies by you know its performances because that writing could have gone. You know, obviously the production values do it no favors. And, and, and the, the writing is what really elevates it. And only with the great performance and that classic Shatner speech at the end, right. you know, I'm not going to kill today. Uh, mm-hmm. Man is killer species. And, and I just don't see. Um, and, and it's great because you also see uh, Kirk starting to lose his cool and then, you know, sort of 
realizing he needs to calm down and be more diplomatic, but he's finding it very difficult. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see those nuances in Hunter's performances of performances Pike. Certainly not in that story. In, in, uh, you know, in another episode, conscience of the King, Mm -hmm. I think he would have done well there too. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think so too. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he can he can deal with the, you know, the uh, male female uh, scenes. He's, uh, you know, suave enough to, uh, you know, romance the uh, the main uh, suspect. Um, But uh, I think that that's straightforward enough to be able to see him, uh, you know, dealing with this sort of uh, mystery and, uh, you know, finding it's a revenge story. He wants revenge against Caridian. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think the romance is secondary. Talk about Hamlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. You know, this. You know, he, he's he's protective of Kevin Riley, but he also he wants revenge against Caridian. If indeed yeah. this is, you know, Kodos the executioner, right. and 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 so I think that's a perfect episode for Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah, even more so maybe than Bill. You know, because I'll tell remember, you. Where... I'm ahead. sorry. Remember that these scripts were, you know, in in processing before they realized how Kirk was playing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which maybe was good. Well, I think it, I think it is because, but, but that's also why it seems like they could work with Jeff Hunter. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I think Jeff Hunter would have killed in, right? Like just been pretty fucking amazing. And, uh, but it also depends on whether or not, you know, Mark, you, you think he could play the action. I think he would have been amazing in arena. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, I could you know, see because, that. Because it's just, there's so much that happens on that guy's face. Yeah. Right. And just putting him in those scenes where it's just kill or be killed. And it's just him like versus the Gorn. I think like it could be kind of awesome. And we know he can work outside in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. We know that. <laughs> that's funny. I don't see him as doing as many barrel rolls uh, on uh, <laughs> Sesame Street. Yeah, but- Shatner was like, you know, diving and rolling and doing that's where he got his tinnitus, apparently. But um, uh, but I think all the stuff with the Gorn and that that's final speech, uh, uh, you know, yeah. where he doesn't I'm not going to kill him Guilty like that. Him. I yeah. could totally see because in a way that that whole he basically whole does episode, the same thing in the cage in, in the cage. It's yeah. basically right. Exactly. So um, I can totally see that, which is funny because I think you're absolutely right. I can completely see him in arena. But then I look forward to something like uh, Mirror Mirror. Can't see him in that at all. No. Right? What is Mirror Pike like? (laughs) It's like Mirror Pike is Pike. Mirror Pike is exciting. Mirror Mirror Pike is uh, (laughs) Kirk is. No. Uh, No. But you you know, you know what? I think we would have more episodes like Galileo 7 where where, uh, it's a Spock story. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, basically Pike is on the bridge saying, uh, to uh, I forget who who it was in that episode to the the Commodore or whoever it was right. Uh, you know, well, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep I'm going to keep start looking for him until the last second. I'm just going to yeah. keep looking for Spock, and then we cut back to Spock, and then, you know, right. so and and he's with uh, Don Marshall and the okay. phasers, <laughs> <laughs> full intensity. I'll, I'll tell you uh, what episode we would not have had. Okay. Turn about intruder. <laughs> well, no, probably not. Honestly, it's like, uh, but uh, that would the be menagerie. Horrifying. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we wouldn't have had the menagerie. <laughs> we wouldn't have the menagerie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We would not have had the menagerie. That's interesting because I wonder what the 
you know, because obviously that was a cost saver. What had they not been able to do the menagerie? What were, you know, you wouldn't have had city on you forever because they wouldn't have saved enough money for a season to right. produce city. It yeah. had they not done the menagerie because yeah. that was the most expensive episode of the season by far way over pattern. So, um, you know, if you didn't do the menagerie and were able to save money, you couldn't produce those bigger episodes at the end of the season. You would have That's had the, disa- the disaster of the alternative factor. You would mm-hmm. have had, you know, a, a, a bunch of misfires. And then you would have been stuck at the end of the season with no money doing, you know, a bunch of crappy bottles. Shades shows. of gray. And, and you would have had William Shatner guest starring in an episode. Oh, that's so funny. So they cancel for the people. So he's in the alternative factor. What of Lazarus? What of Lazarus? <laughs> Honestly, you know, I was I, I was thinking Doomsday Machine. Yeah. Oh, my God. How amazing would that have been? Oh, Shatner as Commodore Decker. Right. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think Jeff Hunter would have been great in Doomsday Machine. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Darren, I don't often do this. Please. <laughs> we, I, I need to know. What would it be like to have William Shatter performing Commodore Decker? They kept calling over and over, all 400 of them. But I couldn't. I, they, they begged me to help. But I couldn't. They were all marooned there on the fifth planet. Someone give me the line. There is no third planet or fifth planet. Right. Don't you think I know that? (laughs) He would have played it more quiet, but it would have been just as intense. That's right. You you, you missed the last part, though. There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not. There there was. (laughs) But. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's almost worth this this exercise just for that. Um, but you're right. I think Jeff Hunter could have worked yeah. in uh Doomsday Machine. Because again, yeah. that is one where it really is owned by the guest star yep. and Leonard. Yep. Yeah. You know, you know, I should Kirk has great lines. Gentlemen, I suggest you be me aboard and and things like that, you know. I, I uh, you know, but but it's he's very you know he, he it has wouldn't a job have been as, it wouldn't have been as fun, but no, it, it would have it would have been entertaining. Yeah, not with my ship, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's something I don't think Jeff Hunter would have been able no. to pull off the way that uh, no. the build build did. Um, <laughs> so interesting. I, I I'm thinking of other episodes that Jer- Jeff Hunter could have potentially really shined in. You know, in Spectre a way of I, the gun. Yeah, well, I mean, Again, he's a veteran of so many westerns. Western. Yeah, yeah, it would have been yeah. so meta and awesome. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, he would have been great, Inspector of the Gun. That's it would right. have been metamorphosis. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, don't talk about metamorphosis. All of a sudden, Scott's going to start talking. Where is he? What's going on? Where's man's coming from? Well, uh, uh, the immunity syndrome. Yeah, How again, would, because that's a that's Spock like, McCoy episode. He would have yeah. been fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he would have been fine in that. But there are, you know, like I could not see City on the PK. Oh my Paradise god. Syndrome. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm I better yeah. you're right. I mean, I can't as much as I don't like Paradise Syndrome, it would be a hundred times worth 
with Jeff Hunter. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, of course, he'd start I killing will all bury the you many strong sons. Oh, no, no, because that was I was a little searcher's joke. It's true. Right. A little, but right. um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think that um, City on the Edge of Forever would have been a disaster with with Jeffrey Hunter. I, right. I would have. I bought... agree. It it probably wouldn't have been rewritten as much. Yeah, I mm. I don't know that I agree. I think, but I think it it would have felt different. Right. Because the 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 darkness of that ending, it feels to me like exactly the kind of depressing shit that would be happening to Pike all the time. Right. No, it's, but like, I, it's almost I, I like in his wheelhouse that he would fall so deeply and so quickly for Edith Keeler. And they right. would bond. He's not a romantic this, at heart. No. And I, they, they would bond over the shared belief in the, the betterment of humanity and that. Uh, one day, let me help will replace I love you. Like, I don't see any of that. See, Ashley, I disagree because one of his fantasies was, you know, going out uh, on horseback for a picnic lunch out in Mojave. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the that's the character. He doesn't he 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 wants to be a romantic. You know, true. Very he, true. He may not have the capability of it, though. That's the that's difference. right. He can't connect. And like all Shatner does is connect with that's anybody correct. and everybody. Well, but the other thing is fair. Shatner, you know, Kirk Shatner, we, Kirk is in love with his ship. Yeah. What is Pike in love with? I don't think it's the Enterprise. It's not. I don't think he has that no, connection. It's absolutely to the ship. not. If it's anything, it's the mission. Maybe. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's maybe his crew. He's protective right. of his crew. Yeah. yeah. Because he talks about that in the cage. I'm yep. responsible for 400, 435 lives and, you know, uh, I'm tired of, you know, having to look out for them. And because he's so upset that, you know, a couple of people died on that mission up to Rizal. It's, it's only it's only a hundred and something. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's a much smaller right, ship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of sections <laughs> are shut down. That's right. Under repairs. Right. <laughs> or, you know, it's just reverse modernization where like, you know, it actually becomes more more difficult to run like as time goes on because the technology becomes so complicated, well, no, which is I think the they added more, more, more scientists and more, they're doing more exploration. It requires yeah. more specialized uh, people like Helen Noel. Right. You know, one of the things that I, I think would have been interesting would have been to have seen, uh, you know, Captain Pike and the rest of the crew wearing those uh, hats, those, you know, front build hats that he has on his, uh, on his TV. Um, because that was part of the uniform. That was a, you know, that was a uniform piece straight out of, uh, you know, Captain Video. Yeah, Captain Video. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can we talk about Space Seed? Wow. Yeah. Yes, we can. Let's talk about Space Seed. <sighs> I'm sorry, Captain. I was um, lost in thought. My door, locked from outside, a guard posted. Unusual treatment for Khan, Nuni, and Singh. Excellent. You identified me with your computer system, I imagine. I'd like those answers now. First, the purpose of your starflight. New life, a chance to build a world. Uh, Other things I doubt you would understand. Why? Because I'm not a product of control genetics. Captain, although your abilities intrigue me, you are quite honestly inferior, mentally, physically. 
In fact, I am surprised how little improvement there has been in human evolution. Oh, there has been technical advancement, but uh, how little man himself has changed. Yes, it appears we will do well in your century, Captain. Do you have any other questions? Thank you. They've all been answered. I mean, I, I think, number one, I think that it, it would have been interesting. I think that, uh, that you know, Hunter's um, I, I, natural charisma, right? Like, mm-hmm. you just, you watch that man. Um, versus Ricardo Montaldon would have been quite fascinating. I'm not sure how differently the episode would have played out, really. But I think just that dynamic, I'm just trying to picture those guys on screen together. And certainly the implications that has like for... Um, for Star Trek Two, or like, I don't know that the movies are the same. I mean, let's assume that, like, oh, that. The, I think there are, are no mo- there are no movies with Jeff there Hunter. are no movies, right? Well, look, I and you know, agree. you you sort of like uh, appalled that Marla MacGyver's would portray the ship, and then eventually she comes back to the side of the angels. But with Khan and Jeffrey Hunter, I don't blame her because Khan is so charismatic, and Pike, you know, I won't say a wet blanket, but. You know, he doesn't have the charisma. It's like, okay, I see why Marla MacGyver's is going over to, to Khan. I just don't think she'd come back and let them out of the, you will all go in there. <laughs> and, and, and they're not coming out. <laughs> I think Jeff's, uh, Jeff Hunter's, you know, charisma is just different, right? Yeah. It's, it's like he's, he's smoky. Yeah. Yep. I agree. But, but, but I mean, I mean, Ricardo, see, I mean, I think that Chatner, is so big in a, in a great way and so charismatic that it really was a battle of titans. It was yeah. like Rocky and Mr. T going at it, right? But um, <laughs> but but with Jeffrey Hunter, with Jeffrey Hunter, it's more like Rocky Five. It's like Rocky and his son going at it because you got right. Khan who's Rocky, and then Jeffrey Hunter who's like the the milk toast son. So I think that uh, Mark, you, you want. I think what? that I think that Khan is definitely Apollo Creed. Okay, so yeah. let's say that. So let's say that Khan is Apollo Creed, and then Kirk is Rocky, right? Right. And he's gonna fly now in his starship. But you know, the problem is you get to Rocky Five, and it's the sun, and 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 I guess Rocky then is Khan. This is a this is a this you is you follow my analogy. <laughs> All I... I'm saying. I've never bothered I, to calculate. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just saying that I think that Ricardo is such a big um, no, and, and charisma and yeah. over the top presence. You know, um, you know, you're an excellent tactician, a... captain. Um, yeah. You know, and plus... the only answer to Ricardo Montalban was was a stage actor. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, uh, I, Hunter would, would not have been able to break through that performance. I can't see him saying, uh, you know. Um, you know, have you ever read your Milton? You know, it is better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. I just that whole bit. I just don't see working with uh, with Scotty. I don't. See, I just imagine just different versions <laughs> of these episodes, like rather than like everything just sort of being written. Look, the same obviously, way, of course, right, 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 of course. But yeah, it's, it's uh, once you it's get past 
once you get, you know, they're on the stage and you start watching dailies, you're going to start writing these episodes very differently than the way you were writing for Shatter. Absolutely. No right. question. No, we, we, all, we know that this is yeah. an exercise, but it's yeah. in reality, it's not the way it would happen because they would, well, you, because you, how many times, because, because we've all written around leads that are duds, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like you realize your leads are dud and you start writing for the other characters and giving them more to do. And, and, right. and then you start bringing in, you know, some new recurring characters that potentially can replace them. Yeah. Or you write <laughs> yeah. to their strengths, you know? Or, you, or yeah. Uh, but there are things that you just don't write for them. Like you would never, I don't think you'd ever do the trouble with Tribbles for Jeffrey Hunter. I don't think yeah, that you, you would. You could do iMud. Yeah. Yes, you could. Yes, you could absolutely do iMud because like it's a great straight man foil situation. Mm. Um, you know, you you couldn't do, you couldn't do shore leave. Surely would no, never work in a million never. years. Unless um, he doesn't go down to the planet. Yeah. Unless it's other people. You yeah. know, so it's, right. it's Spock and it's Kelso and it's Yeoman Cult. And right. like number one could be funny, right. you know. Um, and I guess Sulu would be, you know, would go down like in. in, well, in, in, in oh what, my. What really doesn't work is this. Enemy within. Paradise. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That really doesn't work. I mean, and again, it's because of it's because of the different Spock, the different Spock yes. wouldn't uh, wouldn't work. No. But then also you see, um, uh, you know, in, in the side of Paris, Kirk loses it and he's able to reject the influence of the spores because of his right. anger. Right. I don't see a hunter ever getting that angry. And then I don't see him using sort of this race baiting uh, uh, on Spock right. to get him angry enough to break the influence of the spores. Yeah, I just don't buy any of that. It, it totally right. wouldn't work. Although, time. you know, honestly, I I can see Jeff Hunter getting getting very riled up, you know, because remember, he he uh, he went through the uh, the the blazes of hell uh, in the uh, in the cage. And he was, yeah, but he, he was very, very he was uh, hot. Anxious. Well, yeah, it was yeah. like being on the East Coast during the summer. <laughs> it's just very humid. I got it's like that. Humid. I understand. It's very humid and uncomfortable, you know, I, so I could see, you know, without air conditioning, I could see why. I mean, you know, I was at my mom's house uh, visiting uh, a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you something. They wouldn't turn on the goddamn air conditioning. It was making me crazy. I, I, I forgot how humid and awful it is on the East Coast. Oh, it's terrible. And it was, and it was yeah, like, it's the worst. And, and I, every time I turn the air conditioning down, uh, my, 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 my wife's husband, lovely man. Um, would, 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 Your would, wife's. My wife's husband. It's not my father. So I guess it's my stepfather, but I'll call my wife's husband. Your, so your, um, your mother. Oh, my, oh my God. My mother's <laughs> husband. My mother's husband. Excuse me. Dr. My mother's Freud? husband. Your wife's yeah. husband, <laughs> Jessica Von okay. Puttermaker. Yeah. Okay. So my, my, my mother's husband, my mother's husband, um, it kept turning down, turning off the air conditioning every time. And it was like, oh my God, do you understand how humid it is? How miserable it is? It's like, I'll pay, I'll pay the electric bill. I don't care. Just leave the air conditioning down so I can not be miserable. He's tune, old. Tune in to this, the most edible episode of the Inglorious oh, Trexperts ever. Stop it. I'm tired. <laughs> we just recorded a bunch of episodes. We did two 430 movies yesterday. We did a, a, a Trexperts briefing room. I am tired. <laughs> um, but anyway, what were we saying? <laughs> Something about Jeffrey Hunter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think something Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he uh, look, and don't get me wrong. I think he's terrific in the cage. 
Yeah. I think he, absolutely I think it's just a different show. It's you just, just, it just would not be show. the Star Trek we 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 recognize, and I don't know that it would have been as popular. It's just not. He's just he's just maybe his wife is right. It's like he's just not a TV guy. Well, you know? do you want to come back every week to watch this guy? That's the That's real the question. question. That's yeah. the question. And I think is again, he's... as we as we discussed, you have to you have to concentrate more on the uh, on the surrounding players. Yeah. You know, the the supporting characters are more important in the case of Jeffrey Hunter. But then it could be real really ensemble. work that way back like yeah. back in the 60s. That's the problem. I guess here's the test. Can we imagine? All right. Just try to picture this. one. Just close your eyes. I want you to picture Rob Burnett. And I want you to, to hear in your head, Hello? Rob saying Jeffrey hey, Hunter I, I is the you. man. Jim, I can't hear you. <laughs> Did you hear me? Genesis. Who's taking Genesis? Wait, <laughs> what's going on? I literally cannot hear you. I don't know where my sound went. Hold on. I'm trying. I'm trying to get you back. I don't, I don't know. Game. Who's your matter game? Who's, we need more signal. Wait, what's going know. on? What's going on? Damn it. I don't know. I have no idea what you're know. saying. Yeah. So we're picturing Rob Burnett. Why are, Burnett. why are we? Why are we doing this? Uh, explain yourself. This, it's an exercise. I want you to picture Rob. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to hear his voice clearly. You're clearly in your head saying Jeffrey Hunter is the man. I can't, I can't, can't picture that. I can't picture can't him picture saying it. that. Then it, I can't, the show I doesn't can't work. picture it. The yeah. show doesn't okay. Work. You know what? You, that is a really compelling argument. <laughs> he, I could never see Rob. It's great. It's a great point. I cannot see Rob saying Jeffrey Hunter is the man. You know, okay. but at that point, you need Jose Tyler to be the man. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? He'd be going to conventions now talking about, you know, Gene was so great about diversity back in the 60s. It was like the first Latino uh, starship, uh, uh, you know, look how forward thinking he was, yeah. you know. And of course, uh, you know, uh, Tyler, one day he'll be a captain. I've been telling him for the last couple of movies that right. Jose Tyler should be a captain. They should give him his own ship. But that Jeffrey Hunter, his performance was so bland. He destroyed it. They, they cut out the scene where you found out that Jose Tyler was a captain. <laughs> You know what else I can't picture? I can't picture Jeffrey Hunter singing No Tears for Caesar. Oh, well, I don't think we would have made Free Enterprise. You know, <laughs> these two guys are obsessed with Jeffrey Hunter who meet their idol and find out he's more screwed up than they are. I mean, maybe Weekend at Bernie's, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't see them doing I don't see doing Free Enterprise. So Jeffrey Hunter, it would not think how it would have changed all of our lives without Jeffrey's without Shatner, never would have come together. It would have been, you know, Jeffrey Hunter would have been the captain. He would have been doing conventions. We would have never made free enterprise. The sad thing We would is, have never become friends. Well, we look, have to go back in time and make sure Jeffrey Hunter turns down that role, guys. Although there are certain eddies and currents in time that, you know, converge. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie I'm so broke. <laughs> I, oh look, I, honestly, I think that with Jeff Hunter, Star Trek would have lasted a season and mm -hmm. then that would have been it. You know, but we still could have become obsessed with Shatner on TJ Hooker. So maybe yeah, what true. we would have done is with their free enterprise, you know, maybe like free hooker or something. Free TJ. Maybe. Free, free hooker <laughs> does not sound like. <laughs> that is they not a good value. Lust. It's like... not a good value. Yo, TJ. <laughs> free hooker.
it oh would have God. been it would have been something else, but it would have been the same. I, I got to tell you, I think we got to go back to the Guardian of Forever and restore Bill Shatner in Star Trek as Captain Kirk, because, you know, this whole um, <laughs> Captain Pike thing. Do you think they would have gone back to Talos four at some point? No, because that if story it meant had they been could told. reuse the footage. If it meant they could reuse the footage from the cage, you bet your. But ass. they couldn't because they would have already aired the cage, right? But it would have yeah. been flashbacks. Well, then it changed. Oh, right. They would have aired the cage. No, they reshot the pilot, right? So they would have found a way to go back and reuse it. But they didn't Res- reshoot the pilot no, because no, no. they would have shot the cage, and then they would have done where no man has gone before. Yeah. But they would have oh, aired I thought our both. premise was they would have they would have aired both. They oh, would have aired, aired both. both. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. the cage they probably want to air first. Who knows? Maybe they would have aired the man trap first. Yeah. Can you see Jeffrey Hunter in the man trap? I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see I him in so. that. It's just as boring an episode as it was with Bill. Yeah. Because no. Bill has basically nothing to do in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although I can't see patterns of force with Jeffrey Hunter. Mm-hmm. Bum, he would he would have been Melicon. He would have been better as Melicon than he would have been as Pike. The wrath, mm-hmm. the wrath of Melicon. So, uh, so before we wrap up, so let's just say, and I think we all agree the show's one and done, one season and done, maybe two like Lancer. But um, but but so there probably wouldn't be movies. But for the sake of the exercise, let's pretend they're movies. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture, man, you know, people call That's that tough. the motionless picture. Now, yeah. imagine what it would, they would say if well, Jeffrey Hunter had been in. Look, honestly, Jeffrey Hunter was a movie star yeah and it's true that's true it's it's his natural habitat i think yeah. i think it would have been fine habitat. yeah no he's <laughs> right though i think it would have worked it just it would have been different but i it think because everything different. else would have been different yeah but i think it would have worked yeah and then um, star trek star trek 2 we talked about the same problems that space seed had right uh star trek 3 so they get they kill spock um and then and he stays um, dead he stays yeah. dead <laughs> right but isn't that fascinating though well, that right. would be interesting. It's, just, it's like it's it's because I mean, like, again, it's hard to separate, you know, our understanding of that character from the menagerie and Spock's right. relationship with him and the menagerie, right? So the idea of having this this uh, this movie where Pike has to like save Spock or recover Spock or do this like illegal thing, it just there's something about that on some level that I really appreciate. I don't know. I'll tell you what speech would have been very different killed my son like that whole thing is going to be different. Well, oh my god well also you just can't believe that uh pike has a bastard son you know like i think if he right. knocked up bb besh uh he would have stayed with her yeah, like, yeah exactly think... and she would have been telling her kid as he was growing up what a great guy his dad what a great is. guy yeah what great guy captain pike is the movie yeah. that would not have worked at all star trek four not at all no because he we, we all agree that he couldn't do comedy that yeah. this was not a guy, the guy, he may have been a great Jesus, but he was not a great comedy. Guy. I thought his Jesus was hilarious. <laughs> and and then Star Trek five, he goes back to his roots, meeting God. So it's That's like, right. I played right. this role before. I've, I've met God. God. I've worked with God. <laughs> the funniest story ever told. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, God generations, uh, hard to imagine would be even worse. Um, <laughs> except at least it would have been accurate that he liked horses. 
<laughs> right, true. exactly. That's true. He, right. Then it would have made sense that he's dreaming Look, of tango. tango. <laughs> Instead and of cash. butler, you have tango. <laughs> yeah, my two horses, tango and cash. Oh my um, god. <laughs> so who would his dream be? Instead of Antonia, it would be Vina. Yeah, it would. Sure. Which would it be would be Vina. Nice. That would be nice. Unfortunately, Susan Oliver would have been dead for 15, 20 years. Although in our alternate future, in our once upon a time in Hollywood uh future, right. Susan Oliver did not get cancer and is still alive. It is a very successful director. Right. Yes. Yeah. And Jeffrey go. Hunter never fell down a flight of stairs and banked his head and died. So he's still Correct. alive. Everyone's wow. still alive. Everyone's Everyone who ever lived is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is boy, see this ended up having a happy ending this episode because everyone's well, still sure. alive. <laughs> you know, Roger Carmel's still alive. So Harry Mudd could have been in the in the movies. Well, he's it still started for instead of being about the, the whales would have been a Harry Mudd story. Right. You have to bring Harry Mudd back from 1987. Talos 4. Talos 4, yeah. He's discovered yeah, a time You have machine. to put him in a tank. Captain, there no. are whales here. He has a time machine and is pulling time heists, and we have to stop Harry Mudd from pulling the time heists. There you go. There you go. And, and, and sold. You know, let's let's write it. Let's, let's I mean, do it. <laughs> they could still do that story. <laughs> they, they might. Yeah, it's oh, like, come on. Well, this was a fun one. Who would have thought? Super More fun, fun than Jeffrey Honor. No, oh, I'm kidding. Oh. Listen, listen. You're going to get I'm, so many tweets. I, I am. Right? They're going to. I might be one of them. Mistreat Jeffrey Hunter. No, I look. I you know again. The cage is one. The cage is one of my favorite episodes. The menagerie is one of my favorite episodes. I think Jeffrey Hunter was great. I was the one who suggested that we do this episode. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 so I take it back. I actually, I, I, you know, this is it's interesting. God, you know, it's. I wonder if one day, with like CG and digital characters, we could actually play this out to its logical conclusion. I and sure I, hope not. Yeah, I guess so. You're probably right. It's better to be the stuff of the dreams are made of now. Okay. Well, it's sort of funny because I never intended to sort of connect once upon a time in Hollywood to this episode, other than talking about the novelization and Bob <laughs> Butler, but um, it actually, there's a little bit of, a little bit of interesting uh, crossover there. There you go. So anyway, well, Ashley, it was great having you on the show. Um, great being here. I'd love to hear um, what our audience has to say about uh, 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 a Kirkless Star Trek with uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike. And oh, look, I'm sure somebody can say, yeah, well, you know, they're making a new show with Jeffrey Hunter called Strange New Worlds uh, with Captain Pike. Yes, we know. Thank you. You, you, know. you don't need to remind us. We, we're well, we're well right. aware of that fact. But somebody's Anson say, Mount is great. Anson, Anson Mount is Anson Mount fantastic. Is the we love Anson Pike. Mount. That's right. Look, Anson Mount we, is the Mirror Pike. He's we, the Pike we, that we deserve. We love Anson Mount. We, we hope the show is terrific. And have nothing but high hopes. Yep. And uh, so there, we acknowledge the fact that there is a, a Captain Pike show uh, being filmed. Uh, but that, you know, that was not what the show was about. But I know some people were going to go, but you didn't mention. Well, we just that's did. right. Now we did. So, OK, so if you're a fan of this podcast, please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep in mind, we don't charge you. We don't have uh, Apple subscriptions. We don't have Patreon. We, we all we do is. Uh, have a free we give good time. and give and give. We are the givers of pain and delight, depending on your perspective. <laughs> so um, 
we also want to remind you to listen to our sister podcast, The 430 Movie, uh, Cartoon Barroom, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, check out the new Leverage podcast uh, exclusively on Electric Now as a video-only podcast, which goes behind the scenes of the new Leverage TV series um, and exclusively on IMDb TV. So check that out. We're very excited for Dee Devlin, uh, the, the reboot or the, the sequel series, uh, Leverage the Next Generation. He doesn't call it that, but I'm going to call it that. And it's, it's very, very uh, exciting stuff. So um, we're, th- we're thrilled for Dean. And you can check out the companion podcast that will be airing on Electric Now, which you can download at your favorite app store. Um, we also want to thank the great Bill Ritter, who continues to make us sound great outside the studio. So thank you, Bill. We know we haven't been doing you any favors by recording these via Zoom, but we're deeply appreciative for all the hard work that you put into these episodes, along with uh, Mark Rivera, our producer, Natalie Biscali, our associate producer, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom, and our video producer, Dylan Middlebrook. If you want to follow us on social media, check us out at Inglorious Trek on Twitter, Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram, and on Facebook at Inglorious Trek. You can also befriend Darren Docterman, who wants to be your friend and your neighbor. We're not saying that at all. <laughs> I, on the other hand, will not be adding you on Facebook. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, but Facebook. I've actually just made for- it a rule specifically on Facebook that I do not accept friend requests unless I've met them in person. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have the same. I have the same, same rule. I have the same rule. So it's it, because it's, you know, that's for, it's for following people from high school and stuff. It's not for, yeah. you know, so anyway. And for okay. stalking people. Yeah, stalking totally. Stalking. <laughs> sure, I, I thought I thought that's what you use. Uh, uh, um, never mind. So, uh, and uh, and uh, and that's uh, I think. Oh, that's uh, really the highlights. I have nothing else to, <laughs> to say. Um, oh yes, I do. I want to. I want a very special shout out. Um, all of you who who supported uh, the 1982 documentary on Kickstarter. Thank you so much for your support. Couldn't have done it without you. We're really exciting. Production has already begun. And um, I'm really indebted to our Inglorious Trexperts family for really uh, getting behind it in such a big way, as well as some of our guests who uh, were very generous and would prefer to stay anonymous. But I know who you are and I thank you for it. Um, And then um, uh, also um, check out the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novelization, which is absolutely great. Although, as I mentioned on 430 Movie, when you get to the last page, it says, and uh, don't miss the extended hardcover edition coming this fall. It's like on the last page after you finish reading it. And it's like, oh, wait, there's an extended hardcover coming out. Wonderful. 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 Um, what else? What Nothing. Else let's have? let's wrap it oh. up. <laughs> and, and, and last but not least, uh, check out our sister podcast, Trexpert's Briefing Room, where we curate uh, audio commentaries of significant Star Trek episodes with guests from across the Star Trek universe. So we hope you'll join us there. That is a separate podcast feed from Inglorious Trexperts. So if you want to listen to these wonderful audio commentaries, you need to go to Trexperts Briefing Room. And last but not least, we're almost there. Las Vegas, August 2021. The 55-year mission continues at the Las Vegas Rio Star Trek Convention from Creation Entertainment, celebrating their 50th year uh, producing conventions. Ashley Edward Miller will be there. Darren R. Dockerman will be there. Mark A. Altman will be there. This is going to be the big one, 007. You should come check it out. Uh, we're going to be doing a panel on uh, Friday the 13th. Ooh, spooky. You never know who'll show up. 
And uh, we hope to see you there. We may not add you on Facebook, but we'd love to talk to you at the Vegas convention. <laughs> so um, come and, and come and meet us. So that is all I have to say. So I remind you to keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. I want a service record to end that way. He didn't ask for what happened to him. I felt for him too. I believe there's some hope for you after all, Mr. Spock. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.